Welcome to episode 560 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 560 of I Am Talk with Coach John Euston and Bevan James. I was here, you go, mate. Great, very good. Pretty shitty day. Did, you didn't want to bike up today? Did not want to bike up today. So, do you normally just bike up and then bike home? No, I usually go out training afterwards. So, you're not training today? I will go training later. Game it soft, are you? I am indeed. <laughs> am You've only got like 14 what, weeks. 14 weeks? You guys, no time to be soft right now, mate. I'm training, don't worry. So, am I actually? Mm. Yeah, I did it good. I'm, I'm on Strava. I still haven't sorted out how to oh be on this God, group. Well, well, let's do it this week while I'm here. Okay. okay. So, yeah, we'll do that. But anyway, um, Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. Let's name a few, John. Adam Flipper Philby. Oh, what's this next one? Uh, Liam Robotry Perry. And the Edom? I don't know what I've got in the middle. Yeah, neither. Michael Built to Last Collins. And Christopher Little J Swain. The reason he was Little J is because I think he was he was following a, a plan like me. We had a, he had a picture of him from going up Alpe d'Huez, and he said, "I've turned 40, and it was last year when I turned 40. And he's he copying you, isn't he? Do something else. Yeah. So he J. wants to be just like John. Okay, we also have Ben Popeye Moore. If you want to become a patron of the show, John, you go to Ben James. Oh, no, you go to don't I go am to Ben James. Oh, I don't support that. Oh, the guy's a legend. <laughs> I am talk.me, and it's all pretty obvious on the page. The one thing about Strava, John, is because I'm very just foundation running right now, averaging probably three and a half, four and a half Ks, mm. you know, four and a half minute Ks. So it's pretty slow for me, you know. Mm-hmm. And you want to go a bit crazy because you know everyone's watching. <laughs> but, and also, you want to kind of give the justification on ja, um, Strava. Oh, you know, I'm just taking these right now. Yeah. But no, I'm not doing it. Okay. It's not about my ego, John. Wait it's about that. building a safe foundation. So okay. there we go. I am talking. Uh, well, I've already done that. But uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got statistic. We've got a website of the week. We've got an interview. Mitch Anderson, who recently broke the 12-hour record for cycling in Australia, is going to talk us through that. And then we've got the winger of the week. And uh, then we're going to do some questions and answers at the end. Okay, big race last weekend, John. It sounds like it was a pretty good race as well. One of the championship races... Ironman, is it the African Championship, is it? African Championship. Is it the only Ironman in Africa? I'm going to say yes, it is. So they've got 70.3. Kind of qualifier there then, can they? Yeah, they've got 70.3 in South Africa as well. But I don't think there's And the world champs are 70.3 in South Africa next year, aren't they? Yes, they on are. this course. I don't know if they're on the exact course, but they are. They are in South Africa. Okay. So I didn't. You know, I had a pretty. I didn't have a busy week. I had a lot on last week, and <laughs> so when this race was on, it was Saturday, that one, you? Saturday night New Zealand time. I think it was. Um, I quickly flicked on there because I had a guy that I was coaching who was who was racing, and um, yeah, they had live coverage. Didn't I, I watched about twenty seconds of it, um, but they had uh, Greg Welsh was commentating. They had Paul Newby Fraser. Pictures looked great, so it looked like they had. I don't know if it was wall to wall coverage, but they certainly had the TV coverage like we had seen at the other championship races in Australia. So can't comment on the quality of it, but good to see that they are making sure that you know they're, they're covering these main races with live coverage. Well, I wonder in South Africa, as African listeners, um, what's the story? Does it get much coverage over there? Like I'm in New Zealand, and New Zealand gets a lot of coverage. And um, mm. if it was a championship race, 
it may even get more. Absolutely. You know, like it's interesting how they go to Cairns for the championship race for Australasia, but mm-hmm. it would be interesting if they brought it to New Zealand, would it get more? Because it, it kind of gets a lot of coverage anyway. It does. But I'm wondering in South Africa, if an event like this, which in our world is probably the fourth biggest event of the year, mm-hmm. probably, what would you say? You go outside of, in, in WTC at least. It's a good strong field, you know, you have Roach, you have um, Kona. Germany. You have Germany, you have... Uh, and then, you, then the other, all the other championship races, I'd say, are on a fairly level playing yeah. field. So, so I'd be curious to see if in South Africa, if this race actually gets coverage for the everyday person. Mm. Mm. So, in terms of the results, you know, I haven't really read too many of the articles or anything like that. Um, but Ben Hoffman, you know, good. The Hoff. the Hoff had a solid sub nine hour race. Swam forty nine, rode four twenty two, and ran two forty two. And he took it out. Very close racing with Nils Frumhold. Uh, I think they came off the bike together and Frumhold was only 50 seconds back. So I saw a little bit, a tiny bit of footage of Ben Hoffman finishing and he looked like he was running at a pretty good clip. So really? I, think, uh, I think the pressure was on all the way through. Well, I think Mills actually caught him up. So based on, I'm just looking at try rating here and it's got um, Ben Hoffman quickly went to the front of the marathon. Even though Nils was running a strong and didn't let Ben get away, he was never able to completely, oh no, he didn't close the gap. So he was always just pretty close. So they were shoulder to shoulder pretty much all the way to the run yeah and David McNamee who had the fastest run split in Kona I think it was uh, the year before last he came home in third place with a good strong run of a 245 but those guys in front ran 242 and 243 respectively so he was third in 807 Kyle Buckingham fourth and Jan Jan Van Berkel in fifth but really good strong field you had Boris Stein sixth Frederick Van Leer seventh um, other guys James Kanana Kamana Kananama only managed uh, 10th and then they had uh, Cameron Wirth who was from Australia in 11th apparently he's a former um, top cyclist he was first off the bike uh, and rode 420 was just spanking them out there but disappointing Joe Skipper was only 12th Um, I don't think he'll be too thrilled with that in 8.28 doesn't take home any prize money and Nico Lanos was in there Josh Amberger was in there so what about Freddie Van Leerd now well you don't know how much um he put impact, into it. No, how much impact he had when he got mugged and bloody taken, uh, True. his phone taken. Yeah, so cool, cool. He's a good, strong athlete. I think, you know, his, his win in Kona was one of those days where he had an exceptional day and a couple of the rock stars didn't quite fire. You know, you, yeah, but Freddie, to a point in time, had the ability to win big races. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you know, he won the Abu Dhabi one. Mm-hmm. He won Kona. And I think he won one of the big European ones as well. Yeah. So... He, he, in his time, now admittedly in the last couple of years we haven't seen that from him, but in his time, as much as you never really named him as someone would pick a race, when he did win big races, you kind of go, oh, okay. Yeah. Whereas I'd, that seems to have been lost a little bit in the last yeah, period. I would agree. I think he's he's still on the radar, but you know when you've got Frodo and uh, Keenlay out there killing it, it's pretty tough for everybody else. Mm. So. But I would have, on form, would have thought he would have got top five. Yeah. So quite a few DNFs uh, there, guys like Harry Wiltshire, um, uh, Victor Del Corral, and a few others. And then on the girls' side of things, um, Daniela Reef was not, I mean, she ended up winning relatively comfortably by about sort of five minutes from Kaiser uh, Lettonen. Um, so Danielle Reef splits 53 swim, 450 bike, and 257 on the run for 8.47.02. Now, I saw some comments there. She had some uh, back, back, back yeah. issues. She was almost not going to enter the race. Mm. And that was what was surprising for me, that when I did very briefly check online, I was like, well, Reef's probably going to be miles off the front killing it. And she wasn't. I think she was in fourth place. Yes, yeah, uh, up to about halfway. And then she said post-race that she actually felt okay. So around mm. halfway, her back came fine. And then obviously, poof, 
We'll see you later. So, I mean, God, that's so impressive. This is, again, this is a high-quality girls field, and she can win when she's feeling rubbish. I mean, God, I think Kona's not going to be that interesting for the win this year. Well, Rennie won't be there this year. Rennie won't be there, but we'll talk about someone else who might be there in a moment. Oh. So, Kaiser... Oh, that's a good tease, mate. ...was, uh, was second <coughs> in 8.52. Susie Cheatham is third in 9.04. You know, so both those girls are top 10 Kona girls with Kaiser in top five last year. And, uh, yeah, so some good, uh, good strong racing. So one thing, we got an email. Who's this from, John? This was from Finn, who was over there racing. I, I had two comments from people racing in South Africa because there was obviously the negativity about the, the mugging last week. And I said to Finn, you know, what was the, what was the, the race like? And that, this is a championship race, and they did have a rolling start, so I'm curious to see. You know, now, is that rolling start for all age groups? So they don't mm. just do age group starts? No, it's, it's rolling starts, just you know, one by one, you get into the water and, uh, and you're well, off. It, for a championship race? I, I would agree with you, questioning that, going for a championship race. I get it in most races, and I get it as a way to expand the field. Mm. But in a championship race, if you're trying to win your age group, and you don't know who's around you. Mm -hmm. Yep, I, I would agree with you. But most consistently, the feedback, and Finn is a guy who, who um, has qualified for Kona. Okay. And so he's you know, at, the, at the high level of the, the field, and he liked the rolling start. And I, and I consistently ask athletes that I coach, and you know, I coach athletes who are kind of qualifiers through to you know significantly slower. Um, and consistently, the feedback that I get is most people like it. Not many people have said to me, "Oh no, it's really shit." But I suppose the question is then, what's the strategy for a guy who wants to win his age group? It's still evolving, <laughs> still evolving. Because so. that's really because he's got here. I like the Rolling Start. I certainly use it to my race plan. To, which I'm used it in my race to for my plan, which at the end of the day is what Ironman racing is for age group, an individual race where you only know after the finish where you have ended up. Also, while the top of the field can be high and mighty about the proper mass spot, it's very limiting or intimidating, and most for the most of the field, that just hurts the sport and needs it, that needs as many participants as possible. Now, I, it's only the championship aspect of this. Yeah, so, uh, but are these championships, the regional championships, really championships for age groupers at this stage? I'm going to say not really. The pro, pro side of things uh, is, is happening. Yeah, but if you win, you're telling everyone you're the you regional are. champion. Yeah, but mo I would, my guess would be most people are just treating it as I'm going to Ironman South Africa. Now, there's obviously more qualifying slots, but my feeling is that it's still not really why, representative well, of a Why group. can't they do a road start where they do different age groups? Don't know. Because that spreads it out. To a degree. But my second question, second comment here was, um, I saw Mark Stetler, he, he posted a comment as well. He was out there racing and he said there was hardly any drafting. So I think the rolling start really helps that. Okay. Whereas if you do the group starts, then I think you're going to have those clumps of athletes, uh, the stronger athletes in each age group coming out together and, and probably staying together. So I think the positives out of it is, you know, far less intimidating for a huge percentage of the field in terms of the swim and uh, and it seems to be helping with the drafting side of things so Finn mm. also said oh I totally agree I think this is a way to go I'm just not quite sure if it's the answer to a championship race I, I agree yeah I'm, and, uh, but because oh, but you know rules are rules and and this then your strategy just becomes a part of your game plan based on the rules I've got but mm. It's just a bit of a bummer because if you're on the run and you know the guy at the road's beating you, well, you don't know. You go, "This guy there is." Yeah, well, that's what I mean. Where how did he start? If you start at the same time, you know your mate's mm. going to mate. He's two minutes up the road. <laughs> chase it. Whereas, 
Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. So um, he said, amazing organisation of people. This, they got this race down to a T. Everything worked like clockwork with proper sea swim. The town is super friendly, amazing food and accommodation, all very cheap with the South African ran so low. Great bike course. Um, road surfaces are a bit, uh, you know, got a few shakes there with uh, chains coming off and bikes being shaken badly. But the 70.3 for the worlds next year, the surface will be redone. So and it must be a similar be, location. Yeah, a really nice race. Great support on the run course. The whole town is out, out to cheer you on. Indeed, drafting seemed very good this year. Not much of it and only a few penalties given. Um, totally well done to Ironman South Africa and Port Elizabeth. The race next year, 70.3 Worlds is sure. Make sure you book a holiday afterwards. Um, one thing that he did say, and this, this is, is for our Kiwi, Kiwi yeah. listeners, apparently we've annoyed the South Africans and apparently you need a visa to get into South Africa if you're a New Zealander. Now, for our non-Kiwi listeners, the Kiwi passport is like gold. You can go just about anywhere yeah. and you don't need a visa for very very few countries um so kiwis if you're going to 70.3 worlds next year sounds like you need a visa well and some poor girl some poor kiwi girl didn't realize this happened got on the plane she got kicked out yeah imagine that got it oh and the money you just lost in that second yeah oh yes because we did something to south africa so they've said well screw you yeah and they've done the same thing like even to go to south africa now you have to fly to wellington to go to the embassy just to get your visa really yeah God. Yeah, they had something on the news about it recently. So it's, um, but I think maybe we were a bit painful. I don't know the full story. I think we maybe were a bit painful in the first part of this process. And they're just saying, well, screw you, we'll do the same thing back. So, you know, if you are thinking about the world, make sure you get onto that visa. It sounds like great. I mean, I've been to South Africa. It is beautiful. Really? The safety issue is, is for some people going to be going to be an issue. But um, it sounds like they're putting on a great race and they'll do a fantastic job for 70.3 world champs. So good on you, I'm in South Africa. We had a couple of 70.3s happening over the weekend. And the first was the Ocean 70, Oceanside 70.3. And no surprise. Well, Lionel Sanders took it out. The disappointing here was we didn't have our showdown between Lionel Sanders and Frodo. Frodo got a puncher on the bike and ended up pulling out. So that was a bit of a shame um, because, yeah, so Lionel Sanders took it out in three, fif- uh, three hours 50 from Chris Lieferman and Ronnie Shilnick. But, uh, yeah, the showdown we wanted to see uh, didn't really eventuate. So that's a bit of a shame. We'll have to wait until uh, round Not a bad two. swim for it, Sanders. 25-20, yeah. Um, Andreas drives 20. Yeah, this is the top way. Still... Two, nearly two minutes behind pots, so yeah. Yeah, but that's good for him. Yeah, you know, it's an improvement. I think he he'll be striving for better. And girls, Holly Lawrence, man. She, so if there's one person that I don't think she'll be stepping up to fools anytime soon, but man, she is just killing it out there on the seventy point three circuit. So she's a seventy point three world champion, and uh, she won by. Oh, it was nearly you know, nine minutes over Ali Salthouse um, and Heather Wurtel back in third place. Heather Jackson in there. So this is a quality field, and she just drilled them. So the one of note here was old Joycey's back racing. Oh, good stuff. Seventh place. So Joycey um, looks like she ran pretty well. She ran 124, and most of the other girls are sort of you know, around that mark there, 122 to 127 for girls in front of her. Looks like she got a bit smashed up on the bike and, and not probably quite the same standard she's at at the swim. But, um, yeah, she's hopefully on the way back. But she's going to have a lot of work if she wants to go to Kona this year. Um, she's going to go and need to, you know, do pretty well at the regional Do you think she will races. want to? Like, it's a bit close. I wouldn't be surprised if she did, but I'm just, that's just a guess. Yeah. Uh, we also had uh, Galveston. Yes, we did. And uh, the reason I wanted to bring this one up was uh, the girl we interviewed a few weeks ago, Kimberly Morrison, took it out in four hours, 15 minutes. She nice. said she didn't retain her title when she went off to South America, but she's gone off here and uh, done some Uber biking and killed it. 
in pretty good field too. Yeah, you got look at the, look at the names in there: Lauren Bowden, yeah. Lindsay Corbin, um, so Kelly Williamson. Nice work. Yeah, good stuff. And the men, the men, Mauricio Mendes, about Tim O'Donnell. No, but he must be pretty good if you beat Tim O'Donnell. Yeah, that's not a bad effect. Oh, we had a big race, John, in Christchurch. It did. And this week's I've already done this week's website. Yes. I went onto your Facebook page. Yeah. To, to the Sea to Sky Challenge. Yeah. And a great photo of three triathlon legends. Yes. Had Scott Molina, yeah. John Hellemans, and Scott Balance. So this is this what one thing that I brought into the race this year. I was hoping it was going to be a lot bigger, and it I just it didn't pan out. So I'm, I've got a 12, 12 month process to get this right next year. I've introduced introduced a legends category. Oh, do I get to go to legends? No, you don't. Oh. And so these I'm guys, these guys had, uh, <laughs> I presented them with a separate swim cap. So they had a gold swim cap and they had gold on their race numbers as well. So you could identify who the legends were. And my, my, my qualifying criteria for that, I haven't actually spelt it out super clearly. Sub nine. But you know, you, need, you needed to be a former elite New Zealand representative and you needed to have some pretty significant international results so scott balance was one i mean i got like, i got 200 in europe right yeah it doesn't, doesn't quite cut the mustard and uh and john hellman as we know of and he he's obviously an age group legend but also he finished 20th in the world when he was 40 uh at the world champs and he was you know he's amazing and scott molina we obviously know about it so well. scott balance a lot of people won't know about like, like molina and hellman's are names that are well known but mm. balance tell us the story about him uh so he was he was our top ironman for quite a while he won one New Zealand, Ironman, didn't he? Ironman New Zealand, been on the podium many times in New Zealand. Also won, uh, almost positive, he's won half Ironman races. And for a long time, I think his best place in Kona was was twentieth. Um, but uh, yes, he was never full full on professional doing the whole circuit overseas and stuff. But he had a lot of very good results, and uh, he was yeah our number one sort of iron distance Kiwi athlete for quite some time. So. Good to have him out there. And his wife was Karen Balance, who is was also at the same sort of time was our top female athlete, and she won Ironman New Zealand a few times and was consistently on the podium. So uh, Scott won in 1994. Mm. Uh, Ken Glau won it two years before that. Mm-hmm. Paulie Curry won a few years before that. Dirk Ashmanite. Yeah. So maybe Scott Balance was the first Kiwi to ever win Ironman New Zealand. I Let's think. have a look. So you had Melina, Tinley, Browning, uh, Tinley, Browning, Curry. Ash, Ash, Duke Ashmanite. Uh, gla, gla. Yeah, balance was. There you yeah, go. First Kiwi. So, yeah, we had the Sky Challenge. Mike Phillips took it out in 1 hour 21 from Matthias Knesola from Germany. Uh, so, we had an international field. 1 hour 23, and Hayden Squants was third in 124. Ari Graham, who's one of our top, top juniors in New Zealand, was first. Kerry Aitken second, and Nikki McFadden was in third place. Oh, I know Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. Good girl. So, it's good times. Seriously, I mean, I know it's my race, and I'm, I'll am i be sharing some stuff, some pictures, and what have you, but I think we always get hyped up about fulls and halves and things like that. But the, if you want to find a sprint distance race anywhere in the world, you will not find a more beautiful race. It is yeah. amazing. And uh, if you can go go onto the, the Facebook page and you'll see the pictures and you'll see why you have an amazing bike ride with a massive big hill climb and an absolutely gut-busting, stunning run, which goes along a beautiful trail and over a hill. So, so you're right up top, right along towards Godly Head, do you? You ride, um, you can, so you go have a, have a hill climb up Evans Pass, which is one of the really cool climbs in Christchurch. It's consistently, you know, around 10%, I would say, most of the way up. Yep. Uh, and Pretty then honest. You, then you turn right and you're going along the top of the Port Hills. Oh, so you go that way first, do you? Yeah, you go uh-huh. to the top of Mount Pleasant Road, and that's a nice gentle climb up there, probably. A decent know. boat, like it'll get your heart rate up yeah, if you're, if you're racing. it'll still be 
four to five yeah. to six percent on the way up to there. Then you turn around, you descend back down, uh, and then you've got a bit of rolling stuff out to 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 where we finish the bike ride, and just amazing views on a beautiful day. You're up at probably about. 250 meters elevation with yep. sea views over the city out to the mountains and then the, then it's a trail half trail run down to a beach and then uh, and then you run over this gut busting hill and Tyrone who, who took out the half in Wanaka he was saying you know he didn't see anybody running up this up one of the climbs oh really it was a complete walk fest so <laughs> it's uh, it's a really good test and uh, everybody loves it so if you want to finish your season if you kiwis i was really disappointed actually that we didn't have more entries out of christchurch so we we were basically just about a sellout we had about 450 people all oh, up racing um but not a lot of people traveled for the race um and i can assure you as long as the day isn't like today uh, it will be a good time so the only question I have, last year you had problems with the bikes, bring the bike back, how'd you go? We did be a lot better this year. Yes. Yes, a lot, we improved a lot. Next year though, I think my plan is going to be increase the entry fee and just try to do it one hit. Oh, I'll get a big of a truck. Yeah, get, like, we, we had five five trucks, a couple of trailers, and we did it in two trips. So we transported about 280 bikes in two trips. <laughs> so next year we'll do it, uh, we'll probably increase the entry fee by 10 or 15 bucks and uh, do it in one hit. Nice. Okay, so Ironman Foundation have, have, have announced, this is an interesting innovation, John. So basically Ironman Foundation announced today that as a part of their community, commitment to community, it has launched a volunteer appreciation program in all 2017 North America events. Beginning with Ironman 70.3 Oceanside and Ironman 70.3 Texas, so it happened last weekend, to acknowledge volunteers for their contribution over the race weekend. As athletes check in, they will receive a red Ironman Foundation wristband with the instructions to give them to their favourite volunteers as a token of thanks for their service through the sport and community. The volunteer group with the most wristbands at the end of the race weekend will receive a special acknowledgement for the, from the Ironman Foundation. Oh, okay, so it's for a group, so you might get your local rugby club and... Mm. Okay. I think this is a brilliant idea. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, I thought it was for an individual. And I thought, oh, it's not so good if it's an individual. No, this is great. <clears throat> From a race organised point of view, getting volunteers is extremely yeah. difficult. But as, as Bevan said, it's often it is, you know, a rugby club or I, I have a, um, a women's dragon boating team. Like and, fundraisers. And they come along and uh, we have, you know, 25, 30 of them and we pay them a certain amount to yeah. do that. It's a crappy hourly rate, but they kind of, they enjoy it, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a good fundraiser. But... Um, I just think this is great. It'll get them more engaged in it, you know, and especially if you've got youngsters out there, they'll be going, right, let's have a competition, see who can get this in, and they'll feel feel more appreciated as well because marshals often don't get appreciated. Some people are really good and say thank you very much, and I think they really appreciate that, but this will be, um, be cool. As long as people aren't handing out the wristbands on the uh, bike by trying to just chuck yeah. them off to people. But I think it's uh, it's good on Ironman for, for thinking outside the box. And, and hopefully the reward is them. a good reward. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and, and just on that, Always give love to the volunteers. Absolutely. You know, if you're in a race, even if you're in your deepest, darkest moment, give them a smile. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't take much to... And, and I always think, like, I love in life this whole idea of what energy do you give out to you get back. And if you give the volunteers a bit of love, they're going to, you know, mm. they're going to look after you a little bit more. And it's just these people, like, the people who volunteer, in the race a couple of weeks ago, one of my young runners in my running group, she was the last person on at the back in the mm -hmm. car. And I said to her, she told me she was doing, it's going to be a long day. And she was yeah. like, oh, is it really? It's going to be a long day. Yeah. She was there for like seven and a half hours just driving behind the slowest person. Mm. Now, she basically gave up a day of her life to help these people do this race. And so, you know, you just always remember these people are giving up their time to you to have your experience. So mm. make sure you give them love. John, we've got the Iron Century. Debbie is doing really well. So Debbie Hazeldean is doing the 100 
70.3 distances or half Ironmans in 100 days, and she's up to day 66. So she is two. This was. Uh, and is this on the trajectory? Yep. So she's, she's 66. She's got 34 to go. And she's been doing one for every day. So, and also for John, who was going to be trying to do the 100 Ironmans in 100 days, he had to have an injury break, but he's just done his 14th day in a row uh, and day 27 overall. So he's done about half of what? So can he still get 50? Uh, I guess he can. If Debbie's got. He's done uh, 14. Yeah, Debbie's got 34 to go. So. He'd have to add a couple on at the end. Tack a couple on to get to 50. As always, pop down to the park for a cycle or run if you're in Sydney and you're free and uh, look out for the van. It's a long, still a long way to go. Another month to go. What an interesting one. You'll remember this year forever, won't you? Mm. You know what I mean? Like a third of a year, mm. or Courtney, you know, just under a third of a year, has gone to you just doing a triathlon every day. Well, good on them. Okay, John's sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Now, Bevan, the last couple of weeks for me, I've had a lot on. <laughs> <laughs> hey beautiful girl Joe's had a haircut has got short hair <laughs> And uh, Sleep has been um, Minimal at times I've been a bit like that too To be honest like Really minimal stress. And I've been uh, Working up a storm When you're having a little sleep what's the, How much is that? Um, I was consistently Waking up at about three Going to bed at sort of Ten Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Not a great deal of sleep That's uh, not busy Sorry, that's not, not busy. busy. <laughs> that's been well organised, just not having enough hours in the day. And so I was going, I, I'd, I'd factored in, this is a two-week period where I had to organise a major race and two other smaller races that I'm training, I'm just going to do what I can, and the aim was to try to get something done pretty much every day and just a bit of intensity here and there and just write it off and then get back into it this week. But man, I did not anticipate being quite that overloaded. And I thought, I'm going to get sick here. I'm going to get sick here. I'm going to get sick here. But wait a second. What do you think next? Then obviously <laughs> leading me on. Then I thought, <laughs> he right. At, he looked at me like, what the heck are you What are you talking about? <laughs> Hit the immune boost, come through it, all guns blazing, no problems at all. Still got pretty tired. And, but the did you have an internet in the day? I would have loved it. That's the thing with race organizing, there is. And, and I. Need to be a need to be better at creating more roles and delegating more. But there's, it's not that I was stressing, but there's just so many tasks to do uh, that I just couldn't lie there. I just had too many things going going through my head. I was getting pretty zombified there for a while. Uh, but the immune boost kept me going. Didn't get sick at all. So if you're at that time of the Which is actually pretty important because you're in your peak period now. Mm. To get sick right now would mm. not be good. Well, A, from a race organisational point of view, but also from yeah, a for training point race, of view. Yeah. So I was stoked to come through and consistently get that feedback from other people. Uh, they just often don't take immune boosts all the way through the year. They just maybe take it when they're in a really heavy time of training or they, they think they might be susceptible to getting sick. And it just seems to give you that little boost and uh, you seem to stay healthy. So check it out, xendurance.com. And for you guys who are outside of New Zealand and um, or not getting it through me, use the promo code IMTALK20 and you get a whopping 20% off. Whopping? Yeah. Check it out, xendurance.com. Also, you've got the .eu and the .co.uk website. Promo code should be good for all those sites as well. The one thing, because I'm, I'm a bit like you right? last week. I'm not busy, John. you just got a lot, on. Got a lot, a lot on. on. And we're trying to launch a product this week in technology, John. You know when you're ready to go go on something and then you push go and then it's like, oh, that bit's not working? Mm. But a day like that yesterday. Right. So, But that's all good because life goes on. And uh, yeah, uh, luckily for me, I can then a nap. 
So even when I'm the most stressed, I can sit down and do my meditation and it's mm. pretty valuable because then I kind of recharge myself. Anyway, this week's discussion, last week, who sent this through? It was sent through by Peter Colson and he just said, basically, is this a correct comment in regards to Olympic distance versus Ironman? It's okay to be slow at a 70.3 in Ironman, but not so much at Olympic distance for age groupers. We didn't get a huge amount of comments on this, but there is some big stuff here. great Topics. So well done, Peter. And you've got to spell Peter's name correctly on the post. So you put Peter Cousin. Um, oh, did I? Jo- oh, that's, Pete, that's Pete's cousin. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he submitted it. Joshua Crabb. Yes, slow Ironman finishes get lots of cheers. That's true. But the reason may not be that it's okay to be slow. It may be because every normal person went home post-race and showered and ate and then still have time to get so drunk that they're ready to cheer for everyone or anything wearing tight shorts. I would agree with that. Like at the 70 po- at, at Wanaka, um, so I'd done my race, did some post-race stuff, went back, even went and um, met up with some mates at a beach, and then went to the finish line to watch people come in. So I, I would think that's a good point. Uh, so, okay, next one was it Josh? Was it? It was Josh. Yeah. Okay, Tim Ford. Um, my first Olympic distance was dead last, and they were picking up the course while I was finishing. They were consistently hassling me about the lap, what lap I was on and generally weren't very nice. Haven't seen that at a 70.3. There is so much stricter cutoffs, so maybe not as much of an issue. This is an incident that I had at the weekend because mm, better, um, so this race that I organise is uh, 750 swim, 18k bike, but it's a bloody hard bike ride, and then a 7.5k run. And I knew that from last year, we've got this 84-year-old dude who was going to probably, well, I anticipated being last, so I kind of knew his time. So I didn't really have cutoff times, but I had road closures that um, were finishing up, but I knew that he'd be through by then. But we had a few people way behind him, and my technical officials ended up uh, having to pull these people off the course. I hadn't anticipated that. Mm. So I think with Olympic distance and sprint distance races, Often you don't have the cutoff times, and yeah, we were packing. We weren't packing. I, I don't pack up until the last person finishes, but everybody's gone. There's nobody down the finishing chute. Well, that's not I a think, lot of love. People I, are waiting I, to go. Yeah, I think you do have to put cutoffs in. I like. I know we're I, going I, to from now yeah. on. That's what I've learned. Because <laughs> for someone who works on races, as and often I work in a race as the voice, and the problem is, it, it's just it's actually unfair to the people who are helping. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if you know now, it's unfortunate because you want everyone to finish a race. But if you're not of an ability, mm-hmm. maybe this isn't the race for you. Mm. And that's a horrible thing to say. But I think if you are clear with cutoffs, and I actually find it frustrating when I'm working in a race and they go, "Oh, just let them come in," you know. Mm. Particularly at an Ironman, like Challenge Wanaka used to do it, and they've actually gone a little bit stricter nowadays, where they yeah. will just you know because they would let someone who was like an hour late, mm. and I was like. Everyone's been waiting around all day, mm. whereas now, like, well, sorry, no, you, you know, you knew the time, and I think it is important because the time that everyone's putting into this race. Now, it's unfortunate because it sucks for those people who miss out, but as long as you're clear and you're communicating it, it's But pretty- I definitely think that at sprints and Olympics, you don't get the love that you do at a 70.3, your challenge race. Yeah, because people wait for you in those races, People they? wait, you've got a lot more maybe supporters there, if people sticking around at an Olympic and a sprint, they don't wait around there. There's nobody at the finish. And the commentator's still trying to gee everybody up like you do, Bevan, and you mm. do a great job but you don't get the love. So I think that's a really good point. By the way, John, just on Facebook, Chris McCormick's birthday today. Happy birthday, Chris. Okay. Happy birthday. Richard Swanee Noah's got the finisher. The final finishers at an Ironman are always getting a rousing welcome. I'm sure that the same does not happen for finishing at an end of the Olympic race. So I'm guessing it means it's okay to be slow at an Ironman. Definitely agree with Well, that. I'm going to, okay, so someone I've, I've worked with in the mm. Ironman world who's a bit of a cynic, and he actually thinks that people race to be last. 
Oh yeah, those few a few people do. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So he, you know, they they deliberately want to be last because they want to get all the attention of being mm. the last person. But even if you're not last, say you might be in that fourteen to sixteen hour range, I still think you get a lot more attention than somebody who is the last five to ten people in Olympic distance. Imagine race. racing to be last. Sorry. Imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I need to slow down more. <laughs> uh, Mick Simpson, I don't think that it's an issue because uh, for so many Olympics and sprints are just training days. Yeah, I like a good time, but I've never made one my A race. Okay. Uh, Brian Olstorff, I'll say. I disagree. It's not a problem to be so an Olympic race or sprint distant. Just go out and give it your best shot. And then Zania Morrison's got what he said. Who cares? You're an age grouper. Most people do this for fun. Even though sometimes you may have a bad day and it isn't a fun time. Zani, you're a hardcore age grouper. Yeah. I think for the newbies, they don't get as much. No, 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 she's agreeing with him. She's saying, he's disagreeing. He's saying it's okay to be slow. And she's saying it's okay to be slow as well. I think but that's what I'm saying is if, you, if you're a hardcore, you're really confident in yourself, then it's okay. But I think for a lot of newbies, oh, okay. they're going to go to a 70.3 and go, yeah, man, I get all this cheering and high fives and people are loving me at the finish. And I go to my local sprint and Olympic and there's nobody there at the finish line. Um, Richard Lonsdale surely slow is relative for any distance a PB for me might and is slow for many others Christopher Gdor's just got I don't get it (laughs) (laughs) it's cold (laughs) anyway so I thought that was a really good discussion thank you Peter and it is John your thoughts no I think I've given my thoughts I just think it is really different and a lot of people who do sprints and Olympics uh, they want to be done they do their race and then they want to kind of want to go home after that Whereas an Ironman and a 70.3, it's more, it's more of, of a, the big a event, full, isn't it? full day experience. You've and it's your, often it's your big event of the year. Mm. You know, most people doing an Ironman, it's that one day of the year where they just, and so you bring the family. So there's, there's more support around the race, generally speaking, as well. Mm. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, just this season in Christchurch, I'll put on a few different races that are really challenging courses like last weekend and also an Olympic distance race. And my feeling locally is, People are loving going back to old school, challenging courses where it's, yeah, of course they're going to finish, but it's like, bloody hell, this is going to be really hard and I need to have my, my shit together rather than doing flat, um, multi lap courses. And uh, it seems like we've got a, a good thing going here in Christchurch. Okay, good old Daddy Daycare. Daddy Death, sorry, Peter Tinhold. He's got, guys, this is the sweetest question. The guys, here's a question which I'm curious to get people's thoughts on. Last weekend, I went to Ironman New Zealand after not having been there for a few years and having competed the last time in 2012. As I drove down and then watched, I found a whole the whole thing quite emotional. Having done six Ironmans, it was hard to watch and not be a part of it. How do people feel when they have raced previously and then gone to watch? Was it tough, emotional? For me, it meant I went for a run and a bike on a Sunday, a wind train on a Monday, and another run today. I also uh, tuned back into you guys for the first time in a few years. Great, by the way. Blah, blah, blah. We've gone on maybe. You said, Bev, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call you a wanker. I think that must have been a day you're annoying me. I yeah. called you a wanker. Just uh, uh, But anyway, so basically the question is, for those who have pulled away from the sport, maybe still listening to the show, and haven't done an Ironman in a while, when you go and watch the race, what's that experience like for you? Yeah, yeah. I'll put that up on the... Uh, I talk to me, and you can get it out. Hit me with some music, Bevan. Oh, we don't have to test some music. Okay, I'll put some music on.
That's fantastic. It's fantastic. Okay, John, we're getting a bit nostalgic today. What are the oldest iron distance races on the calendar? I need help from the audience on this one as well. So this isn't like a single stat or a fact, but I was last week I was prompted by Challenge who put out a somebody sent this through a little tweet or Facebook post or something saying, yeah, you know, Almera, the oldest triathlon in Europe and the and the second I think they were saying the second oldest in the world behind the the Hawaii triathlon and I got a bit fired up about them not calling it an Ironman so I was curious to figure out what are the oldest races out there and so this is what I, I quickly did this morning off the top of my head thinking which races do I know of but if there are any older iron distance triathlons or near iron distance um, I'd be really interested to know so from what I could find out Kona is the oldest 1978 one that a lot of you probably won't be thinking of is Embraman they are in their 34th edition uh, which was this year and then Almera also started about the same time in 1983 so I think that I think so that must be their 34th edition as well but Almera is in so Kona really sat around for about five, six years by itself. Yeah, but it seemed to me that around 83, 84, there's lots of things happening because Almera started around about that time as well. Japan's Strongman, which most of you will never have heard of, you might have heard me mention it once or twice, that's coming up we in a couple of weeks. We used to talk about it years. We did, you used to mention it annually when mm. we first started out. So it's a 33rd edition there this year. So these ones are all sort of 33, 34 years old. I uh, couldn't figure out. It looks like they take up to 1,700 applications at that race, but it was all in Japanese, so to it's quite Even hard. to this day? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, wow, yeah. so it's so, really popular. Yeah, it's because um, I can't remember if they have got an Ironman in Japan this year or not. Um, no, remember because the, the qualifications are uh, in Canada. Mm, yeah. But So Ironman Japan was one of the very first Ironmans, but it sort of came and went a bit sort of over the last period. Uh, also, I was thinking of Rote, and, and my criteria for this is the races needed to stay in the same location all the way through. So we know that Rote has um, gone from Ironman to Challenge. Their first race was in 1984, but it's only been Ironman since 1990. So was that 20, 27 years? So a little bit older than older than a lot, but not as old as Almera and Embraman. You know, I was thinking Ironman Canada, that's one that's been around for a long time. That started in 1986. I'm not sure if that was the full distance all the way through or but it's not. It's no longer around, is it? Well, it's not, but that's the same as Rote. It was, it's, this is, I'm talking Penticton here. Okay. So whilst it's um, Ironman Canada, the name is now in Whistler, um, the, uh, the Iron Distance Race in Penticton has is been Is it still time. full? Is it well, it, it is every year until this year and maybe the last championships. year because they've changed it for the ITU yeah. distance. So that streak is over as well. Ironman New Zealand doesn't count for me because it started in 1985, which Scott Molina incidentally won. I've got to say, Scott Molina, I didn't, uh, he killed it at the weekend. Really? I'll have to pull up those results later, but he's on. Do you want to get Sea to Sky Challenge yep. up? Um, dot com. And he was right That's up It's the number there. two, isn't it? Yep. He was killing it. And, and he biked race on Saturday as well, I think, down in Dunedin. Well, the guy's a bit of a legend. Molina is looking good for Rose. He's got pretty big guns too, isn't he? Because yeah. I was looking at the photo of the boys. Mm. And uh, Hellemans and Scott had kind of triathlon bodies. Yeah. You know, you could tell Melina likes a bit of weights training because those the, the, the old tennis ball bulging outside of his arm. Yeah, nice. Melina the ex. So, Melina won 1985, but Ironman New Zealand doesn't count for two reasons. Because it's moved site. It's moved from Auckland to Taupo. And also, the first number of years You've were updated your website. not full. Which website? City of Sky. No. Oh, it looks newer. No, no. Mike Phillips took it out. He did. Okay, what age group am I looking at? Molina, he's in the 50, 59. Uh, how do I find that? If you just go on to click, click on there, and he, he would have been in the top 
15, I think. Oh, okay, more results. Okay, more yeah. results. Uh, then Ironman Australia also doesn't count. Oh, he got 15th, Sean. There you go. There you go. He was, oh, one second off Dylan McNeese. <laughs> he, he would have said a sprint off of Dylan McNeese. Oh, nice. Yeah, there you go. So, cool. Season, good shape. I mean, Dylan was doing it as a training day. Yeah, obviously. Still. Yeah. Uh, but he took out Andrew Epikin. Come on, Ian Wood. He took out Ian Wood. Yeah. Because Ian Wood beat him last year, didn't he? Just. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Muzzle Letworth. Come on, Muzzle. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, Australia doesn't count because they moved um, to Port Macquarie when it was previously at Foster. And Ironman Nice doesn't really count either because you didn't used to be an Ironman. And they, there was a period there where it wasn't on. Um, oh, actually, John. Yeah. Millennium got 14th because you got a team in your results. Oh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Top 15. Yep. So there you go. If anybody knows of any other iron distance races, email in because I'll be really keen to know if there are any other ones, obscure ones that maybe are not from English-speaking countries that I don't know about. But as far as I can see, Kona's the oldest, and then it's a bit of a tie there between um, Almera, Embram, and Japan's. It's probably those two are the next oldest, and then Japan's strongman is the next one in. Good times. They, they are the foundation we've built our world on, John. They are indeed, and some of them are still plugging along. Pretty cool that some of them are still doing well. Like Kona's obvious, but like to hear strongmen's pulling on seventeen hundred people. Mm. That's great, isn't it? And Embram Man and Elmira. Yeah, and Rope's still going good. And which is really interesting, really, because those three races are still doing really well. And so many of the legendary races have fallen away, haven't they? Mm. You know, so these real foundations have actually sustained. And what's interesting is Embram Man is a, is a, is just insanely difficult bike course. So that's the appeal around those two. But Elmira and Rote I wouldn't say there's anything, not that I've done Elmira, there's nothing super special about those Oh, courses. the crowd. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. They've built it up on, on, on crowds as opposed to, say, you know, other amazing races that might be yeah. marketing it as a scenic, beautiful scenic ride. Yeah. Um, whereas Rote, yeah, it's a cool course, but it's a crowd that makes oh, a difference. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that, yeah. And well, I suppose it's not the history so much in Rote, is it? Yeah, it's sad. That's tradition. They've just kept the same core. I, I believe they've kept the, the same or very similar. No, but you know what I mean. Like you kind of you think of Kona, you go, "Oh, this is where Mark and Dave." And, mm. You know, whereas we in couldn't Rote, na- we couldn't name the winners of Rote for many years. Yeah, maybe you and I could because we'd just been around for a while. Mm. But everyday person, mm. Mm, interesting. Um, okay, John, we're going to interview you coming up with a young man by the name of Mitch Anderson. He's a doctor. He's, yes. not, he's not quite that young. He's older than me. He's got the thing in his nose. Did you ask him about that? I did, yes. Okay, we'll, go on. we'll talk about that afterwards. So here's Mitch Anderson, the current world record holder for 12 hours on the bike. Here he is right now. Okay, guys, uh, as I mentioned on last week's show, we've got uh, Mitch Anderson on today. Now, some of you may have heard of him if you're from Australia because he's won Ironman Western Australia. He's also had an 11th place finish in Kona. He hasn't quite cracked the top 10, um, but he's also a doctor. He's been commentating. I think I remember him commentating on Ironman Melbourne one year. Uh, used to do a bit of podcasting, and now he is a world record holder for a 12-hour bike ride so mitch welcome along to the show thanks very much john um i'm also a certified nutbag i think <laughs> i would uh, concur with that now what, what's that <laughs> what's the history of the 12-hour record because we've seen 24-hour records we see the one-hour record i don't really know too much about the 12-hour record and has it got much uh, much of a history well look it's probably a lot like the um the half line man insofar as it's a little less prestigious um so less people have sort of had a crack at it but um, as I found out two weeks ago on a Monday, it's also extremely painful. Um, 
so I sort of get why people uh, have avoided it. But um, my, uh, I guess the, the genesis of um, having or having a crack at this was seeing Drew Jin go for the 24 hour about um, 18 months ago. And I thought, you know what, I'd be quite sued to that. So I thought I'd have a go um, at the 24. But it seemed like, you know, well, I guess intuitively being a triathlete, you don't jump from the sprint distance to a uh, to an old Ironman. So I sort of thought I'd do a, a jump off point that's more in my, um, you know, my new price range of 12 hours, having been used to doing, you know, between eight and nine hours for my Ironman efforts. And... Um in terms of your record attempt, I, I looked at a little clip of you doing it, and you had somebody holding your bike seat to, to kick you off. Was it um, was it an official attempt, or what's what's the deal in trying to make these things official? Oh, okay. So yeah, look, the way it works is that the um, there's a there's a governing body called the Ultra Cycling, um, uh, the, sorry, the Ultra Marathon Cycling Association. So it's run out of the US, um, and. Uh, look, what they've do- what they've done is they've got a forty odd page rule packet where you need three officials. You need to have the course um, professionally surveyed by um, a, uh, a a road surveyor, um, which is a foot out from the gutter, um, and it's treated as a track, actually an outdoor track. So because I rode a one point almost one point three kilometre loop, even though it was a road circuit, it's classified as a track. Anything less than five miles. So it, there's some, some standard rules which which make it easily repeatable whether you're in australia or you're in the us or you're in new zealand or timbuktu you know anyone can have a go yeah and what was the previous record we'll go into your stats later on but what was the previous record do you know well look like yeah i do like i said it was it seemed like it was low-hanging fruit so it was only it was it was owned by a slovenian um um by the name of barlos who um had gone for a 24-hour attempt and he'd actually you can go for multi you can go for like 100 mile or the yeah you know, the 12-hour, whatever you like, and he was on the way to doing a 24, and I think he sort of thought, oh, I'm on a bad day here. So he only made 458 Ks, which, yeah. you know, is still pretty incredible. But, you know, with a, I had an Ironman PB of, like, 417, and I sort of thought, you know what, that's kind of my threshold. I reckon I can hold at least 40 for the 12 hours. So I had a very good day. I'd done some really good training, a lot of efforts on the trainer and also some strength endurance stuff, and... Yeah, I had a good day where I held, you know, uh, basically forty, almost forty-two k an hour. Yeah, what and what was the? You know, you talked a little bit about the the motivation for doing it, thinking as a possible stepping stone for a twenty-four hour attempt. You also were trying to raise funds for the Craig Percival Foundation. Was that one of the instigators for making this happen, or was that something that you picked up along the way and and to help you motivate yourself and also to to raise funds for you know one of your your local guys there? Yeah, look. So I guess um, um, Craig Percival. Um, did a eight Ironmans in eight states in eight days, which is the most insane thing um, you should ever take on. And he was actually a patient of mine as well as being a friend. Mm. Um, and he's, you know, he's an he's an Ironman guy who did uh, look. He's known nine oh three, I think, was his Ironman PB, and he just he went off and did this Herculean thing, raising money for the um, John McLean Foundation. And um, you know, he really he put himself to the limit and. Um, uh, I had planned about, you know, six months. I was, I'd sort of been six months into planning and, you know, he and I had lots of chats about ultra endurance and he sort of said to me, oh, you know, what have you got planned? And, I, we, you know, we shared ideas. But then uh, very sadly he um, oh, he had a, a knee scope 
and wound up having a massive clot and died of a uh, heart attack. You know, 45-year-old guy, fit, fit as a Mallee bull and um, wound up um, dead with, you know, with two kids and a wife um, left behind. So, you know, I sort of picked up um, the baton and thought, well, you know, I'm still going to do my attempt and um, in Craig's name and um, raise money for, for their family and also awareness about depression because, you know, um, I had a, a very messy breakdown in marriage and wound up uh, deeply depressed and um, Craig also had depression. So, you know, I really want to raise awareness and normalise that, you know, even um, guys who participate in <laughs> crazy sporting mm. events, you know, they're, they're actually sometimes doing it as a, an escape from their lives. So, you know, I want to raise awareness about that and also I just wanted to have a dip at something new. I, you know, I've done 30 Ironman and, yeah. you know, had a, had a great career and I thought, you know what, I want to do something that suits me um, in my 40s. How, how does your preparation go? You mentioned a little bit about the strength work you did and so on, but, you know, if you compare how you would prepare for an Ironman bike ride versus this bike ride, you know, what were the differences in your preparation, obviously, other than not swimming and running, I, I assume, um, but uh, yeah. outside of that, what in terms of <laughs> yeah. key sessions and so on? So, look, uh, you know, I, I'm a sports medico over here with my own practice and I work, you know, a, a pretty busy week, so I had limited time and, I, and all I did was... Um, Every Monday with Luke Bell, who's a you know very yeah. well-known um, Ironman athlete, he and I would ride 140 clicks. Um, I would have the morning off, and then um, I'd do uh, 250 on a Saturday, and um, where I really pushed the last three hours, trying to push 300 watts, basically, you know, just above my anticipated threshold. And then, um, yeah, I was trying to hit 500 k's a week, as well as do two ergos of about you know, which I equivalent equivalent of 50 k's a week uh, each ergo so you know i was hitting 600 k's which you know by i guess by that's about my ironman standard mm. preparation but with all i've got 20 years now in the bank so you know let's not pretend that this preparation was strictly the only prep i did for a 12-hour bike ride you know i yeah i've spent yeah as you know saturdays and saturdays <laughs> um mm. riding 200 k's plus and that's all in the bank so i knew that would hold me in good stead now you mentioned the course there it was a, a little a small circuit. Why did you choose that circuit, and and what sort of a time of the day did you do it? Because it looked like it was almost a bit of an industrial area at some some points. Yeah, so look the um the St Kilda Cycling Club used this as a part of this as their criterium course, you know, and I and I've raced that quite a few times, and um, I about eleven months ago I did a. I did a nine-hour trial over this course just to make sure that, A, I could, you know, hold my form over nine hours because holding the time trial position is, you know, extremely difficult for that length of time um, and practice on the circuit. And then I managed to lengthen it out just slightly so that there was um, two easier, relatively easier corners that I could pedal around. Um, but, yeah, it was an industrial area that on a public holiday, I held it was a Labor Day public holiday here on the Monday, and... That meant that it was light traffic because I couldn't get road closures. You know, they're not going to mm. close the road for a single cyclist. Maybe they would in New Zealand. You know, <laughs> you're a lot, you're a lot kinder to your cyclists over there or your athletes over there. But um, there was actually a furor over here. The council tried to fine me for holding an event without a permit. And uh, anyway, that was stressful. But um, the day turned out to be absolutely brilliant. You know, sort of 26, 27 degrees. Uh, it got windy in the second half, but it was. You know, relative, for Melbourne, it was relatively calm conditions, and you know, the the first eight hours was um, solid, 
but I'll tell you what, the last four hours put me in the most discomfort I've, I've been in in my life. It was horrible. <laughs> in, in what respect did you, did you um, were you bonking or your legs, you know, could you just not hold the power? You know, what, what was it that was hurting the most? So look, it, it, it's really interesting. Um, it, 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 was more a, it was more a central fatigue. Like, so, you know, my legs felt, you know, sore but fine. And, you know, my nutrition was, was bang on. I, you know, I, I got on the bike at 78 kilos and I got off the bike at 78.3. So, you know, I was well and truly matching my fluids and also my carbohydrates to my output. It's just that uh, you, you lose the, the ability, for your central nervous system essentially gets tired activating the same muscles again and again and again and again and again for that length of time, you know. I had 90 seconds off the bike in 12 hours, yeah. you know, two P's and one bike change with a flat tyre. So, yeah, yeah I think, uh, and look, and I'm, I'm not, I've been flipping about this to people over here, but I've actually ended up with um, what I'd probably describe as a bit of um, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Like I, I've been having disrupted sleep for a couple of weeks and night terrors and all sorts of bizarre things that, you know, didn't, don't usually happen to me. So um, there's a huge mental um, aspect to this event that I think, yeah, it's 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 easy to underestimate. Amazing. Um, now, I saw the police on one corner in one of the clips. Were the police involved, or was it just the local council that tried to find you? Well, the local council came down and they called the police. But essentially, I, I was following all the road rules. Um, you know, there were plenty of volunteers down there, and that's what the council were objecting to. I did have people on corners, which is you know technically breaking the rules. But yeah. you know, I, I was going through a corner three seconds every minute 55 so it's not as if i was inconveniencing that many people so yeah. look you know i was a bit cheeky um the council withdrew their fines um you know good for them and um, yeah. the police were saying look he's following the road rules he's keeping left okay. <laughs> he's it. giving way so so your stats were your average 41.9 you did 501.6 kilometers norm um yes. power was 253 uh, 90 rpm and as you said you're moving for uh, 11 hours 58.33 was that basically what you wanted to do and um other than that last sort of four hours did it did it basically <laughs> go to plan oh look you know i think that when you do it as, as everyone listening out there knows that when you do an endurance event it doesn't always go right and um you know, I, I couldn't have done this event 20 years ago. Not that I didn't have the physical capacity, but it's it's having the mental capacity to cope and laterally think your way through the issues that you have along the way. So, you know, the council being there, I took it in my stride and thought, well, I can't do anything about them. I'll let my volunteers deal with them. And then the police came down and, again, uh, I had to sort of, you know, I, I talk about um, internal um, association and dissociation as well as external association and dissociation so I really had to switch off to what was going on around me and really focus on just executing what I'd planned to do and look I, I had a nine on a perfect day and you know I, I sort of see this as a real um, jewel in all the things that I've done um, you know in, in all endurance sport that I've done over the years because it, it essentially allowed me to put 20 years of skills in training nutrition uh, motivation, um, concentration, all execute on the one day. And, you know, I had a nigh on perfect day. So, yeah, it's it's very satisfying. I feel really happy with the day the way it went. So what did you do for nutrition? You know, not having to worry about the run and the stomach issues so many people have on the run. What was your nutrition plan and, and how did your team get it to you? So, uh, look, I guess in answer to your question, there's a uh, – the, the greater um, sort of purpose here was also to run a study. So um, – I I'd done some um, heart testing um, prior to the event and then immediately 
post-event, I went straight back to the hospital and did more bloods and cardiac testing. And actually, that's what I was finishing off again today, <laughs> two and a half weeks later. We did another um, echocardiogram on my heart. And then, and so as part of this, I, I noted down, um, I got someone in the car noting down everything I ate and drank. Yeah. So look, the, the stats were about eight litres of um, sports drink, uh, one and a half litres of Coke. I drank, I had about 20 gels. Um, I had eight bananas. Um and, um, you know, it was, it was 12,000 calories and it, you just can't match that. Uh, you know, you can do 90 grams an hour. It's not like Ironman where you can't really eat properly on the run. But, yeah. you know, I was trying to do 90 grams an hour and I, um, and I really had to force the gels in. I used caffeine, um, 500 milligrams at about the halfway mark when I was having a flat spot. And unfortunately, that wore off about the eight hour mark. And <laughs> I wish I had taken it later. Um, but, you know, Coke is fantastic in that scenario where you're just having a flat spot and you put some coke in but again i knew i was going to have flat spots and it was a matter of going well you always dig your way out by getting nutrition back on track and hydration and concentration so and what the hell was that thing in your nose you look like a bloody uh, a ball with this <laughs> thing coming out of your nose <laughs> oh look that's a product um i was involved with the biotech startup that's a snoring company um and um chris Froome, you might have noticed it's been in his nose as well so it's a it's a device that it's like the um you know that tape that goes over your nose you yeah. Um, what's it called, that stuff? Um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know what I mean. It winds, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it winds you out there. And essentially, you put that thing in your nose. It's called the turbine. And when you're eating and drinking, you can breathe in and out of your nose. Because, you know, I get absolutely clogged up with snot and all sorts of guff in my nose. So keeping it, that aperture open reduces your work of breathing just slightly. But more importantly, when you have to eat and drink so much um, – it means that you're not sort of going into any oxygen debt. So again, it's a it's a point one percent or maybe a point five percent, but um, I wasn't leaving any stone unturned. <laughs> nice. Did, did, uh, they might want to work on their their colours a little bit. I think you had a bright orange one or something like that. Yeah. They want you to notice it. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> it was Thanks noted. For it. Yeah. Um, and, and I you, guess in terms of other one percent, is John. You know, the, the all the things that I did were, you know, I put ceramic speed stuff on, so all the ceramic bearings and all that sort of guff. Um, and, you know, tried out the new Shimano Pro tri-spoke and essentially, you know, I've played with my position for the last 12 months. I really have spent a lot of time and effort fine-tuning. So it's not as if I sort of got on, you know, two months out and thought I'll have a crack at this. It's really been 18 months of work. Yeah. And any other sort of recollections or anything else you want to get out there about your um, about the attempt and things that either went wrong or or funny parts of it or, or anything else about the whole whole uh, whole, whole, yeah. whole day? Yeah, yeah. So look, um, I had a great bunch of volunteers, and there were three officials. So one in the car and two doing the timing, and those poor guys had to do you know laps every minute fifty five, um, uh, stopping their stopwatches. So they had a pretty dull job, but. Um, the guys in the car, it was pretty um, willing and, you know, travelling around, they're only travelling at 42k an hour, but even so, around the corners, it gets a bit hairy and um, I was trying to pee um, at one stage and I was using bottles to make sure I wasn't indecently exposing yeah. myself and um, I'm peeing into a bidden and I was like, oh, I you know, I couldn't, I felt like, um, remember the dad out of Zoolander, he's going, you know, come on, give me a couple of drops, give me something. <laughs> I couldn't get anything out. And I noticed that actually, so I gave up. And in the bottom of the bottle, there was sort of two mouthfuls of sports drink. So I sort of necked it. And, and all the guys behind me are like, oh, oh no. no, he's gone crazy. He started drinking his own piss. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, and, you know, I had, a, I had a near crash where a car pulled a U-turn in front of me. So, you know, I literally missed it by inches. And, um, you know, that, 
raised heart rates mine as well as the the guys in the in the tail car so look it's one of the, it's the same thing you know i'm going to talk to uh the volunteers and the guys who helped me out for years about the things that happened in my event and i'm sure people can relate to that you know when you catch up with people after ironman races there's always things that have gone wrong you can always have a laugh about it nice so um yeah if people want to get in behind what you're doing obviously raising um funds for for craig's family you know what's what's the deal there because we, we yes. have promoted uh, yep. we promoted that initial crowdfunding um campaign yes. they had but I, I imagine this is something a bit different well, this is all rolling into the same fund, but it's um, it's it's the Craig Personal Memorial Trust. And if you want to get on there and um, make a donation, that would be greatly appreciated. But even you know, if you want to get on and um, have a look at what we're doing, we're gonna there's gonna be a hundred hundreds um, in the pool, <laughs> um, memorialising Craig in uh, in about a month's time, and we're gonna have a charity auction of about um, thirty items in a, in another month after that. So. Look, we'd love people to sort of stay in touch with us and ask any questions and donate if they can um, to the Craig Person Memorial Trust.com. And um, yeah, there's updates there of what we're doing and, you know, all sorts of stats. And, uh, and, you know, there's a story from my race day on there too. So, and stories about Craig. So, yeah, love people to get involved and, sh- you know, we should, we'll set up a section where people can share their stories as well. We'd love to do that. Fantastic. And what about yourself? What's next? Because I, when I, I looked at your website, it was a, a bit uh, out of date with, uh, <laughs> with the, your pro, pro career, but are you still racing yeah. try? And what's sort of on the agenda now? No, I'm thoroughly retired from triathlon. Um, I tore my hammy off the bone and really battled for the last four, four years of my try career. So, look, the plan is to, um, I've got a baby due in, um, with my wife in, um, August and um, that's actually the thing I'm going to next is our 20 week ultrasound so we'll not be late for that um, <laughs> but the um, look uh, I'm considering whether or not to do a 24 hour tilt it really as I said it was, it's been a huge mental and physical strain doing the 12 hour and I can't imagine what it's like for 24 but um, you know you, you, your top speed drops off by about 4k an hour to get the world record of 897 kilometres for that guy by the name of Christoph Strasser who's yeah. an Austrian but look um in paying homage to one of our great cyclists um Hubert Opperman um you know he he's really a legend of Australian cycling and uh, it's the pinnacle um medal um in Australia to get the Hubert Opperman medal and the, he he got the 24-hour world record in 1939 at 823 k's I think it was or 827k's which wow. on the bikes they had those days is just phenomenal so you know, in homage to him, I'd love to be able to have a tilt and, um, you know, I guess, watch this space. I'd, I'm putting my head together with Drew Jin in the next couple of days, and we're going to have a good chat about it. Nice. So if people want to follow your progress as such, you know, we talked about um, the, the page and the website for Craig. Yes. What about if people want to sort of follow your crazy best, adventures? Best way to follow my um, my tilts is um, my handle on Twitter and Instagram, which is at Dr. Mitch A, so D-R-M-I-T-C-H-A. Um or if you're ever in the area, um, look up my clinic, <laughs> Shinbone yeah, yeah. Medical, and um, drop in, have a coffee, or, uh, you know, get a prostate check. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, we don't want you to be late for your uh, for your um, baby's ultrasound, so you best Thanks. be on your way, and we appreciate Thanks. your time and fantastic work on a uh, awesome performance. Thanks very much for having me, John, and uh, look forward to talking to you again. So, John, what's with the nose thing? Well, you will have just heard about that. Well, I, I need to know because I haven't listened to it yet. Well, everybody else has just heard that, uh, so I'm not going to repeat what's just been said. Uh, it's a it's a point one of a percenter, he said. It makes him go faster. Yeah. Oh. Opens up the nasal passage. Oh, nasal so he doesn't wear it all the time. 
No. <laughs> okay, no. I, was, I, was, I thought he was like some punk, you no. know. No. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, this doctor's out there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Spot ministry sponsor. Sponsor. Well, we've been earlier in the show, we were talking about old races. And yep. there's lots of old races that aren't around now. So I talked about some of the ones that are still around, but a few that are, you know, disappearing is the, you know, like St. Croix was 70.3. That was massive. That was a cool race. One race that was around when I first started, and I think we talked about Scott Balance earlier in the show. I'm pretty sure he won this race one year because you know it was the day of the magazines. You get one once a month, and yep. I remember reading about it. And no, it was actually it wasn't Scott Balance. He may have done as well. It was John Knight from New Zealand who won it. I think he owns the John Knight. He Never owns. Heard of he, he lives down in Queenstown. I think he owns Outside Sports in Queenstown. Okay. I think. He had a bit of an accident today, was he? Yeah, he was, he was very good, and he won the Triple M, and that was a, this iconic iron distance race in Australia. I don't know if they got big fields, but I think it was called the Triple M because you went over a couple of passes on okay. the bike ride, and that's not around. The Ashburton Half Ironman, Bevan, your victory over me, well, not your victory, your second place where I was third. Did I get second there, did I? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Second by Eddie, what's his name, Eddie? What happened to him? Uh, oh, he's still, I don't know. Don't know. Because he was pretty good. He was decent, yeah. And then you beat him in Monica, didn't you? Yep. That's right. Uh, you know. Broke his heart. Yeah. So, guys, if all these races are gone now. Websites are gone. And if you, but if you've got your results on Athlinks, like Bevan and I have, for the Ashburton Half Iron, man, well, I have. I don't know if Bevan has, but I think you have. Yeah, I would have. Yep. You can keep them there forever, eternity, on athlinks.com. So we were talking about iron distance races earlier. Some of them, hopefully, they're around another 20 years. But if they're not, Keep it all on athlinks.com and you've got all your results in one place. So get on it. Get your results up there quickly because races do come and go pretty quick these days. So check it out. And what's cool is that Athlinks has been around for about 10 years now. Mm. You know, so they've really stood the test of time. So they're going to be around for a long time. And so, you know, it's just to get into that habit because you won't regret it in the future. It's our 11 year anniversary this week, I think. Or the, around about now. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, happy anniversary, Happy John. anniversary. Happy yeah. anniversary. What'd no. you get me? No kisses, that's no kisses. Uh, no tongues? Not that kind of show. <laughs> okay, uh, John, let's say three, two, one. Website of the week. Good old James, how's that one? Thame? Uh, James Thame, we'll say that, yep. Sent through an article from the charlotteobserver.com. I tell you what, if you want a website that's going to annoy the crap out of you, go to the charlotteobserver.com. <laughs> they are trying to make as much money from ads on that website. It's doing my head in. But anyway, uh, they've got a little bit of an article on there, and it's just saying, see, you start, you click on the ad site, and it puts an ad up in front of you, <laughs> and there's an ad down the bottom, you Lisa, click off. Don't, don't go to that. Go to the majorleaguetry.com. I think we might have talked about this before, but I think it's worth worthwhile being a website of the week. So what it is, it's professional triathlon racing circuit in the States now, and it's teams racing. So we've talked about before the mixed relay format that they have at the Commonwealth Games, and they also Which have was it, awesome. Yeah. I really loved it. And they also have it in Hamburg with the round of the ITU circuit there. You have two females, two males, 300-meter swim, four-mile bike, and one-mile run, and then you tag off to your teammates. I think... The order they may change it, but I think it goes female, male, female, male. I think I'm always positive of that. And short distance racing relay format. But what they've done over here, which is really cool, is they've got you know teams based on geographic areas. So they've got the Atlantic City Waves, they've got the California Cadence, they've got the um, the Colorado Peaks, the Indy Cats, uh, the Islanders port from Puerto Rico, and the Sun. What's <laughs> Okay. Were, you, were, you, were you looking right at? Right on the right. That's oh, I'm, I'm right looking at uh, California Cadence, Islanders, Puerto Rico. Um, we've got the Sun, Saratosa. Yeah. So yep. 
The indie cats. And what they're trying to do with this is make it really high action racing. Very so four people on a team? Four people on a team, spectator friendly and uh, just fast action. Now Bevan said to me, oh, have they got any decent athletes? And I sort of scanned through the list and they're, they're predominantly, from what I can see, up and coming Americans. But then they've got a smattering of uh, you know, good, solid ITU athletes like Erin Den- Densham, who's an Australian. Did she get a medal at the... I think she got the bronze medal at the... Uh, which Olympics? Not Beijing, London maybe. I think she did. She, I'm pretty sure she did. So she's in there, and then you got John Paul, Rasmussen. I've heard Paul, of him. Paula Finlay, who was on fire on the ITU circuit a few years ago. She's a Canadian girl. Uh, who else have we got in here that I can see? Kevin McDowell. He's an American guy on the uh, ITU circuit at the moment. Um, ben Knute, who's one of the top Americans and uh, smashes it out there on the bike. So you have got a good little smattering of, uh, of good ITU athletes, and I think the standard in America now is really starting to lift. So whenever you have these races, you just want to make sure that you've got relatively close racing, that it's not just a dojo domination that's not interesting for anybody. So, yeah, I think it's a really cool concept. So it's majorleaguetry.com, and I'll be interested to see, you know, where this leads to in the future and... Um, so the first race is Saturday the 20th of May, and that's in Charlotte, then Atlanta on the 3rd of June. Then, so it's once a month, basically. Oh, no, no, August the 26th mm-hmm. in Valley, and then September the 9th. So there's four races. But it happened last year, John. Yeah, it did. I, remember, I do remember um, talking about it. Uh, look, I think the key... We, Saratosa we, won it. Cool. I mm-hmm. spoke Saratosa. I think the thing, thing with these is always got to be combined with another event, I think. So, for example... I had my race on Sunday, and I'm hoping next year that I'm going to have an elite section of the race, which is actually going to be a draft legal um, multi-circuit race, with the intention that as the final finishes come in off my race, the, the main race, then the elite race will kick off, and uh, and all the athletes will be there watching. Um, so I think if these guys can combine this with uh, with an age group event, I think it'll be really successful. If they just have it as a standalone event by itself, maybe it might struggle to get the crowds a little bit. So I wonder where um, the money is, John. Yeah, don't know. We should get the, the guys who... Here we go here. So the, the CEO or the Chief Executive Officer, Daniel Cassidy, has got the idea of Major League Triathlon started with a simple sentence from my wife. I love you, and I love you. You are so committed to triathlon, but this is so difficult for me as a spectator. I didn't fully understand what my wife, Sarah, had meant until I watched her first triathlon several weeks later. It was the first and only triathlon that I ever watched as a spectator. She was right. Waking up at 5 a.m. driving 30 minutes to the site and waiting at the race to start seeing her for maybe 10 seconds at each transition and waiting patiently to the finish line for her to finish i've completed over 60 triathlons sprints olympics 70.3 and so on and felt that the longest day i'd ever had out there a simple thought was born triathlon needs to change triathlon is and always has been an individual sport quite honestly a selfish sport we athletes spend hours each week training for races spend money on expensive equipment and somehow find ways to turn a destination into a family vacation. Don't get me wrong, I love the sport wholeheartedly and I have spent some time and best of years of my life training and racing. The problem is that triathlon needs to be more accessible to both participants and spectators. Major League Triathlon has addressed this by adopting the most spectator-friendly formula in 
the American and the sport and Americanized it by creating a team-based league whose teams represent cities similar to other professional sports. The structure is not only spectator-friendly, but also incredibly television-friendly, with the entire race taking around 70 minutes and a total non-stop action. We want to bring the sport to the mainstream and we want to lower the barriers for entry to the sport. We want to grow the sport to the amateur level. Most importantly, we are developing youth programs to encourage participation in our sports future. So that's the vision. I, yeah. wonder, I wonder if they are getting that te- television coverage. Yeah. I think it's great. So good work, Daniel Cassidy and your team. Check it out, majorleaguetry.com. Okay, here we go, John. But let's talk about Wanger of the Week. Okay, have you done your random? Oh, no, I haven't. I'll get random.org up. Okay, okay. you name the number, I'll tell you what it is. Okay. So you're between one and nine. Random.org. Random.org. For those people who need random numbers, go to random.org. Random.org. <laughs> we should get them as a sponsor of the show. There you go. Random.org's not uh, going very quickly today, so... Okay, so while oh, I'm here... On. It's coming, it's coming, one tonight. What are you going to tell us about, Bevan? No, I was going to tell me how to do my Strava. <laughs> <laughs> Number one. Number one. Okay, most activities. Oh, most activities. Oh, there's a bit of a name from the past, making a comeback. So overall, and we'll go, we'll go overall and then we'll go male-female. Overall, Brent Johnson, he's Australian man, isn't he? Brent Johnson? Brent Johnson, is that, is that the Forrest Gump guy? No. Okay, Brett Johnson, he's doing a lot of yards, John, 22 hours. 20, we, no, it's activities though here, it's not hours, we're looking at it's activities. He did 21 activities. But good old T-Rex of Try, Diplodocus. 19. Andrew Kerr. And Ed Hawkins, 17. Yes, he's got your top three males. Melissa Uri is just crushing this. Um, but she only did 11 activities last week for 21 hours of training, so uh, yeah. Averaging two hours a session. Tony Hodge was uh, second with 10 activities and Jennifer Moore, nine activities. Come on, girls, you're lagging behind the boys a bit there. <laughs> Busy boys, you know, it's even competition. But Melissa did, she went for 21 hours compared to Brett Johnson's 22 hours and half the number of activities. So Brett was averaging just over one hour a session. Melissa was close to two hours. Okay. Nice work. Brett Johnson, you take this week out. You are the wanger of the week. Wanger. 416 members now. Oh, good stuff. Keep it coming. 416 wingers. 417 this after today's show. Yeah, I've got to get this sorted. Do you have a profile? Do it on on the website. Oh, I'm not. I've never signed into the website. You show me afterwards. Yeah. I'll be there next week. You have this thing called a username and a password and you put it in. Jeepers creepers, man. You have to teach me all about this. Mm. Jumbo questions and answers. Good old Tim Willis sent through this one. He's got... uh, I'll I'll summarise this. He was basically emailing in. He heard us interviewed Jocelyn McCauley yeah. after I Man New Zealand she killed it out there Yep. and he picked up he's actually been following her career when we last interviewed her and he said can you ask her I was wondering if you could um, ask her about her religious status so she, yeah. um, she's a Mormon and Sundays pro- prohibits her from racing or training on a Sunday and he looked at her schedule and he sees that she consistently does this all over the place so she won't race on, Does is that just ha- still happening or now that she's a professional athlete will she race on a Sunday so I popped Jocelyn an email and she graciously replied she said she's previously written, written about this on her uh, training and racing six day a week uh, six days a week schedule and she has an old blog which you're going to put that in the show notes if you want to go and read that since then she has changed coaches and uh, her her weekly schedule is different Um, but she said she still doesn't race or train on a Sunday because of her religious beliefs do you know what John I'm not religious at all Uh, I'm probably agnostic 
mm-hmm. in the way I think around religion. But uh, but what I find really interesting is how does religion work in for racing? You know what I mean? Like I'd love to get her back on because it's not an experience. I wouldn't look for a spirit or a higher being to pull me through in a race. Mm. Um, it's just not the way I am. And I've I, I nothing against people who are religious, but I'm just kind of curious, you know, for those people, because the, the thing that is that, that faith they have, you know, it's, that's what religion gives us is faith in a higher being. And so I'm, I'm really curious. I would, next time we get someone who we may know is religious or quite obvious about their religion, is to really talk to them about what that gives to them in their racing. Because... Mm. Um, for me, that's not. I'd never think to think to a god in my racing, but for a lot of people, they would. Hmm. And for a lot of people, I'm sure that's a really powerful thing they use in their racing. And um, I'm just kind of curious to see what the, what the athletic journey is when you are, you know, kind of around. Well, it can that. be another part of you. So I mean, I'm, I'm very process driven. It can be another part of that process. You know, you go through all your different checklists. You know, you go check my technique, check my nutrition. Etc. Etc. And then you might check in with the, the big fella, and uh, yeah. it might be part of your process because it's so much of the run and the well, no, so much of the race is about keeping positive, keeping your mind, you know, relatively occupied, and just not letting that negativity creep in. So if you've got that one extra thing that can keep you from negative thoughts, then yeah. Well, well, next time we we get someone who's maybe you know openly you know kind of discuss their religion, well, I'd love to dig deep into that because you're not hugely religious yourself either. Mm, right? Far from it. Yeah, and so so we're not very good people to talk about that experience. And and to be honest, I've never when I read um, Tim's emails because he's also quite a he's a Mormon himself and he said he really connected with her. He's followed her career and so on. And so it's kind of like, oh wow, I've just I've never thought about that as an athlete. How I would use that if I had that behind me and my, the way I kind of experience the world so yeah next time we'll, we'll kind of dig deep and maybe we can get jocelyn on at some stage in the future to talk to her about it this next bit that we've got it's here pretty cool is um finn who's over in south africa loves his numbers he sent through uh qualified in china at one of those 70.3 races for kona and he sent through his sort of stats at that stage on on what it's taken to get there and he put up made up some stats for i mean south africa um and in terms of the where, how the distribution of the the slots goes at a championship race and this race in particular now this isn't a final version this was his calculations based off the numbers that he could ascertain so from slots the, per age group yes yeah, so at at this race in particular there were 75 slots okay and how it works is one slot goes to each age group and the rest is done um, split between age groups based on the percentage of the field within that age group so I just thought it was interesting reading so you have 21 slots go off to um, each age group and then you have 54 to be distributed and how they how he anticipated them being distributed over there was uh, going through the age groups. So the 18 to 24, there was two slots. And only 20 athletes. Only 20 athletes. And that this is in the guys. And that built up to the sort of 35 to 39. By then you had 10 slots, 11 for the 40 to 44, 10 for the 45 to 49. And then it started dropping away again, five for the 50 to 54, and then dropping away just to one for the sort of 70 pluses. So you either want to be really young or really old. Mm. in regards to percentage chance because if you're 20 or 18 to 24 there are 20 athletes two slots so it's yeah. a pretty good chance you yeah. know if you're pretty decent and then really the middle of the range field like if you look at the 40 to 44 you've got 350 competitors you've only got 11 slots so that's basically a slot probably you know every kind of what 30 odd yeah 30 odd people yeah. uh, and then when we get to the older people for example the really old 74 you know, up to 74, there are two slots and there are only, two Ooh, people 50, only one slot. 50. Yeah, so that's a 50-50, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and that's then, and again, for 65 to 
uh, 69, one slot between 10 people. So yeah, those age groups, if you can either start really early mm. or hold on to the end, you know, you've got a better chance than those kind of mid-ranges where less slots per athletes. And if you're a girl, it's just bloody tough. Yep. Um, because that, yeah, that was just the men. All the slots there. You got one slot for the 20 to 24s, but there's only six yeah, girls there's only in six there. athletes. Uh, and then it sort of goes twos and threes all the way through to um, the 50s. And then after the 50s, it's uh, one slot per age. From 55 up, it's one slot per age group. So you basically got to go into the race if you're in those middle age groups thinking, I've got to win or I've got to get second. If I get third, it might be a bit, questionable um so in like the 40 to 44 age group there was 82 females as opposed to 352 males so you got to be in the top three so it's fair but it's tough for the females because it's all pro rata stuff so, but um yeah it is it is tough you get a, an ex-pro turning up or something and that's going to make your life very difficult if you're a female also just the size number of the whole field so the girls don't even make up a quarter of the field mm. wow, so over so there yeah. 1652 um, males versus 354. This was done pre-race, so it might change yep. based on uh, number of starters and what have you, but I just thought that was interesting how those slots are distributed at a championship race where there's 75 slots. Now, when we go to these other races now where there's only 40 slots or 30 slots, totally different distribution, but this is at a championship race. And and my gut feeling, and, I'm, and the statistician, statisticians out there might tell me otherwise, but I think that you've got a better chance if you're going to a, one of these championship races. Um, it's not easier and you're going to get some really good athletes there, but I think there's less outliers in terms of at the smaller races, you get one or two rock stars and you're kind of screwed. Whereas at these ones, you might get a couple of rock stars, a couple of, you know, a good handful of really good guys. And then, it, yeah, just I suppose the other thing to think about, if you're going to get a better field, most of those guys might've already been to Kona. Maybe they don't have the desire to go back. So that might actually, Possibly. the roll-down effect might be better for you. Maybe. Yeah, no, like it's... Actually, if you're at South Africa, was there much of a roll-down? Yeah, because that's really interesting. You know, like, if you're going to get a championship field for age groupers, most of those people may have been to Kona. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to go to a championship race, John, you're being to Kona. Yep. Now, are you want to go to Kona next year? Well, you know, probably yeah. not. So maybe that means that the roll-down effect in these races is higher than races where you don't have the, the higher quality field. Because, like, in Ironman New Zealand, most people... It's probably the same, really. But I was just wonder. If, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious to see if that would be the case. Okay, um, we've got one more email. Pim from the Netherlands sent us through. I, I did briefly mention this last week, I think. Um, but she said our most famous tri Dutch triathlete, Rob Burrell, who we had on Legends, we have, is going to be smashing Kona this year, going for the 60 to 64 record. I wonder what it is. He will qualify, of course, in Nice. Is Nice on or not? I, was, I should check that. Uh, the place where he triumphed a lot of times. Furthermore, he's going to go for the title in the double, uh, the World Triathlon Series final in September here in the Netherlands. Are any Kiwis going over? So it's in Rotterdam this year. If they want to take us over, we'll be there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's I, it. For questions, that's okay. Jombo, so sponsors. Athlinks.com. So it's your network for endurance athletes. And Extreme Endurance. And we're going to name some patrons, John. Colin, the convict, Bieloski. We've got Jeremy, special agent, Ryan. Simon, the, Simon Pace, the setter. The, 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 yeah. The Pace setter. The Pace setter, Simon yeah. Pace. Simon Pace, the Pace setter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim Breaker. I don't think that's his nickname. Hemming. Oh, Tim, let us know what your nickname was, because it was something like, I get why you got Breaker there. Breaking the news. Yeah, and, and he, leads, he leads the charge of the news, but I'm not quite sure. Tim, let us know what it is. Uh, and then and Soren Mr. Tasty Vrist 
Nice. Nice. If you want to become a patron of shows, you go to www.iamtalk.me. It helps us do what we do each week if you enjoy the show. And also, you go on a chance to win a trip to Kona with us next year, which is going to be fantastic. Come in at uh, $10 a month, so like a coffee, no, it's been even less than a coffee a week, isn't it? How much would a coffee a week cost? Oh, I don't really, oh. I normally, I'd probably go for one cup of tea a week yeah. when I go to CAFs. So it's 20 bucks probably? Close for one cup of tea? Well, a month. No, a week. A week. Oh, a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so right. it's like a half a cup of tea a week. Uh, if you come in at $10 uh, a week, then you get a, a cool IM Talk high quality silicon swim cap. If you come in for 20 bucks a week, which you know, roughly one coffee a week while you listen to the show, then you get a, an IM Talk beanie as well, merino wool, high quality. So you get a cap and a beanie. John, you know what? Paying five dollars for tea does kind of do my head in. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you're paying for a waitress. Well, if you're getting takeaway, you're not really, are you? No, I don't mind paying for the thing. I'm paying for paying for tea because John, it's described by mug. It's, well, it's not a liter, is it? But it's, it's probably it's is more than half a liter. Yeah, it's probably a liter. It's not it, far it, off a liter, it is, is it? Ginormous. I like a big cup of tea. Yeah. And when you go to a cafe and they give you a little cup of tea, I'm like, mate. It's cost you two cents. You've been Americanized. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That Bigger is, is better. So it's the size of probably the largest drink you'd get at McDonald's. Yeah, probably. Yeah. It's, you know, Whatever that is. Yeah, like a large... No, oh, not a gallon. No. Because they have gallons in the States. <laughs> no, that's, more, that's, that's at least half a litre. If not, that's more than half a litre. I, I like a big cup of tea. But anyway, um, oh, did I sign off straight over Facebook? I don't know if you have or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you've done. Oh, you know, I have. Okay, I'm now in there, John. Um, but anyway, so you pay five bucks, they give you nothing. Like, come on, just give me a big <laughs> mug. Anyway, anyway, John, what's your cost? I'm just looking forward to life getting back to normal this week. It's been a full-on two weeks. So I'm looking forward to getting back into training. I'm one day late getting back into it. Yesterday was a bit of a write-off as well. Got all this stuff in my driveway to get picked up by a moving company to get out of, get out of my garage so I can reclaim my garage. And it has just been all about these events the last two weeks. Happy? So. What have you learned, John? What do you learn? I need to be better at delegating, creating more roles. If anybody wants to volunteer uh, in, a, in a good role for the House of Travel Triathlon Festival of Sea to Sky Race, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah. Why, why aren't health, you very health, good? I'm, I'm okay, but it... Are you, do you have that problem of you, you only do it good enough? Uh, yes and no. It's... What am I going to say? Um... <laughs> Everything always still comes back to me and I want the people that I've given the responsibility for each position, them to be, that's their role and Trust. doesn't doesn't come back to me. Okay. And uh, it's still, it's only second year of the event, so I think next year we'll have it all smooth. But overall, event went great, great feedback and that was basically my life for the last uh, week and a half to two weeks. So looking forward to getting back into some normality. And what what's on this week? Oh, I'm probably going to go do a running race on Saturday. Back it up. Yeah. Back gonna, it gonna up. Gonna go what time's the running race, John? What time? Yeah. 10 o'clock on Saturday, I think. Uh, yeah. It's, where? It's a tight at 15K. I'm going to try to build into it. Just going to run a really structured plan and just try to do each 5K quicker. So I'm not going to go and completely destroy myself. Okay, so myself. what time will you come in on? Well, I'm thinking I want to start, I'm going to start at 3.40 per K for the first 5K, then try to drop to 3.35 and then try to drop to 3.30s for the last five. That's nice. my plan. Nice. We'll see if I can, we'll I see if you I do, can do that. I think you can. Mm. I believe in you. I think you. I can. I think I can. I know I can. I know I can. Oh, do you know what that is, guys? Do you know where that comes from? Thomas the Tank Engine. No. Isn't it? No, it's the um, the kid on the train. The left front wheel, left front wheel, left front wheel. Isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it was one of those. Remember we were kids. Remember on the Sunday morning radio? Yeah. And remember the laughing policeman? 
Bear Jelly the Witch. Bear Jelly the Witch. Oh, I love. He's got a beard because he's lost his razor. I love Bear Jelly the Witch. That's the best thing about having a a kid was Bear Jelly the Witch. Sunday morning radio. Oh, you used to get up. See, it was my Sunday morning. Get up. Run into mum and dad's room, yeah. just jump on dad in Sunday morning fights. Yeah. So dad and I would have a fight for like 20 minutes and then we'd listen to Sunday morning radio. Nice. Oh, bad jelly the witch. Yeah. And it was about a kid who, who basically could hear the train was talking to him. Left mm. front wheel, left front wheel. And I think it was like, I think I can, I think I can. Or maybe it was call a little engine flick, call a little engine, oh, yeah, call a little engine, yeah. call a little engine flick. They won't let me put out fires. Oh, John. You've got a good memory. Oh, I loved Sunday morning radio. Uh, What's happening in your Kids of today's generation. <laughs> get out, get on the bloody computer. What's the latest for Thomas now? That, um, it's, he does a lot of Minecraft. He does a lot Minecraft's of, good, but because yeah. they're building stuff. And he does a lot of ma- making his own, what are they called, stop motion things. Yep. That's good. And what's the other one that he's doing at the moment? I can't remember what it's called. Bevan, what's happening when in your When he's about 14, 15 years. <laughs> no, he's, he's like, he, the computer got banned the other day for five days. Oh, really? Uh, yep. Uh, How'd that go down? He's not happy, but... Was it just... Can you tell why? Uh, just not listening. Uh, kids. Mm. Bevan, what's happening Do you know a good trick world? as a parent that I did with Tyler? What? As I'd go, you keep that up and you know what's going to be the worst thing that happens to you. And that worked a treat because she didn't, she, in her mind, because if I said, I'm going to take the Barbie off you or something, she'd go, I don't care, I don't even want it. Mm. But then if you say that, she goes, oh my God, it's this thing. So she would identify the worst thing in her head. <laughs> it worked a treat. And then she'd say to me, you won't do this. That's it, babe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good little parenting trip for me. My daughter, my, my lovely daughter, Tyler, is left on a jet plane. She's going to do her way. Oh really? Yeah. Yep, she, well, um, it's not. I'm not really sure if it's an OE yeah, or you. I thought you were going. I'm not really sure where she's gone. <laughs> no, bit, I don't actually know, John. Yeah. Uh, she she um, has gone to Australia. She's going up to Cairns to do some work for a few months, mm-hmm. and then we'll probably go up to Asia for a bit, and then may come back next year and study, or may go on. Mm. So I might not see her ever again. Right. Yep. Might be twenty years. Sure, you will. Back in the old days, you you literally didn't see them. You didn't hear from them. Mm-hmm. You know, you get that phone call once every Tele- six months. Telegram? Yeah. <laughs> Send a postcard. Send a postcard? I love <laughs> postcards. Do you? Yeah. So much so that I've sent one over to Hawaii last week. Who to? To the drawer. Five, <laughs> five, five, five by five by seven. I measured it precisely. Imagine if you won. Yeah, no, I didn't. I know you didn't. But imagine <laughs> if you did. Do you really like postcards? I used to love them. Love getting postcards. Problem is nowadays, you, you send the postcard, you get home three months later, they get the postcard. Mm, yeah. You don't. Know. Like so, I'm I'm pretty excited for my daughter because my daughter, she was she's nearly she's 19, coming up 20. Mm-hmm. She's still been at home with her mum, so mm-hmm. like it's you know because we did she had custody too, she's about 16. So, um, she you know it's kind of her leaving home as well. So, mm. you know she's gonna be a bit up the ship creek for a bit. It's good mm. character building, I reckon. Good times. Good times, rock and roll. And other than that, John went to Wanaka. Yep. Beautiful race down there. That was good. That Oscar, what's Oscar's last name? And it's uh, Oscar Baines. The Oscar fast runner? Yep. Owns front runner Colombo. Yeah. Great shop. Best running shoe shop. Best triathlon shop in Christchurch. Go check it out. Does he look after you, does he? Because I like yeah, shoe clinic and Rick and Mall. No, no, no. Go to the front <laughs> runner. Shoe clinic, Rick and Mall. Great. Go, go to the front runner and it's in um, the Colombo and there's some really good little food shops in there. Shoe, can, shoe clinic, just say you're an extra runner. They'll look after <laughs> you. I'll give you a discount. Um, yeah, that is. Or um, he's pretty quick. He, is. he won the Auckland Marathon, didn't he? He did. Yeah. 
He he kind of he didn't race that wisely last weekend. He he was miles ahead of everyone else. Mm. Went through the first half of the marathon in twenty nine minutes. Mm. Second half about thirty six. Right. So faded a little bit. Yep. But if I could do that time, I'd be pretty happy anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So it's pretty smoking hot. Um. Other than that, John. No. Just life. Life in the fast lane. Good stuff. I'm Russ. I'm in. Train hard. Train smart. Kicker. Kicker.